Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 65. And today we've got our good friend Kimberly Levant with MintMaven.co, and we're going to be talking about fundraising for your business, um, grants, investors, all kinds of things, I'm sure of it. So how are you doing today, Kimberly? Very awesome. How are you? I am doing awesome, too. Um, so uh, it's going to get to be 65 out today, I hear, in Lansing. Uh, you going to go play outside? I might step out briefly, but uh, I'm super busy, so maybe that will include my laptop, but yes. Yeah. So uh, before we get into mintmaven.co, I thought maybe we should talk about some of the things you've done in the past and kind of your journey that you got that got you here. Um, cause I think I, we probably started working together six years ago, seven years ago, yeah. um, right at the beginnings of the fledge when it was in Grand Ledge. Um, I still have that little, I, I call it a carving, but it's the block that you used for print. Oh, that's awesome. Fledge. You still have that. Yeah. It's, uh, on a bench sitting over there right now. <laughs> uh, but what, why don't you tell us kind of how you started your entrepreneurial journey? It's funny that a lot of people don't know this, but the very first professional part of my creative journey was as a tattoo artist apprentice at 18 at uh, a local Lansing shop that I will not mention uh, because why not? And that was fun at first, but then it proved to be not the best fit for reasons. So I took a break from making art because at the time I was a volatile young you know, emotional driven artist and uh, took some time off, went to college at Kendall College of Art and Design, uh, got my degree in fine art printmaking and graphic design, and then opened a shop, did a bunch of stuff. And that translated into more graphic design, illustration. Um, in between that too was a 15 year career as a jazz musician and some modeling because that, that goes even farther back, but it's not con, you know, uh, connected to the creative stuff. But I've done all kinds of crazy stuff in terms of creative uh, video making too. So I tried on a bunch of hats and found the one that fit me best, which is the three things that I'm doing now full time. Yeah. Well, hold off on those for a second. I'll come back to that. When you were like when you were in elementary and junior high and high school, did, were, did you always know you were going to be a creative, an artist? Yes, yes. Um, ever since I was little, my parents told me their origin story of how they met and, you know, everything became to be. And it all started in art class when they both took the same class and met in the first day, just like sparks flew. And then my dad drew her portrait and she was just like over the moon about it. And then skip ahead they get married and have me and then that's all I hear all day long how awesome of an artist my dad was and that I'll probably be one but I just felt like it and then it's funny recently my brother even said that he was jealous because he and everybody saw that I've always been clearly I was going to be a creative of some sort so yeah I uh so I've had this uh hypothesis for a long time that 
a lot of kids get knocked off tilt for wanting to be an artist or to be a creative. And they have parents who want them to go into the corporate world or go to college and be an engineer or whatever it is. And I've also had the hypothesis that uh, they do that to the boys more than they do that to the girls was and so I was thinking that as you were telling your story, and then you said you had a brother, so now we can get some insight here. Um, did they encourage your brother? Is he an artist? He makes lots of stuff. He does like woodworking and um, 3D printing now. He works at GM, but he's he's got creative, like a creative spirit, so he applies it in different ways. But he his strengths lie in totally different things. Like we are night and day as people, everything that you know about me, like personality and height even and everything else. My brother's crazy tall. He's super serious. He says like two words a year. Like, so <laughs> it would make sense why he didn't choose to go into creative, but now as an adult, he's like looking into it way more. Um, but because I've been doing it for so long, it's like intimidating for him and I get it. Uh, but it shouldn't be because it should be fun. Everybody should be able to be creative and have fun and don't worry about being judged unless you're in an art gallery show, because that's the only time it's okay to judge somebody. But like, anyway. Yeah. So do you think that, uh, so, well, it seems like there's, uh, his height and your height being so different that, uh, I'm trying to think of the question. Do you think that he was influenced by your parents or do you think that he was just born to be a different being? I feel like <laughs> the latter because uh, my dad being an artist is when he didn't really make art. I've only seen him make art maybe twice my, you know, growing up with him, which was kind of odd. But the two times he did, the pieces were just like really amazing. So it's not like my brother wasn't as exposed to the exact same things that I was. I feel like maybe he, he knew like the fit for him wasn't like, it wasn't a great fit for him better as like a hobby, mm -hmm. but he had, he can appreciate it and love it just as much as I do. And like the way he talks about it is just as passionate and, and all the things. So, so that's great. Do you think that, like, I think you're doing what you love to do. I think you're finding your way, you experiment, you pivot. Uh, do you think your, your brother has done the same? No, 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 no. He has had three jobs his entire adult life. Three. He worked but he could be super happy with it, right? Uh, he, I don't know yeah. if you call it that. I'm going to get you in trouble for at Easter dinner, aren't I? <laughs> That's okay. No, we, we literally just had this conversation and he's, he's just, uh, yeah, he just, he, He's got a busy mind like I do, and these jobs kept his mind incredibly busy all the time, so he couldn't get into trouble if he was so busy at work. So I feel mm -hmm. like if he was a creative and didn't have that, like, corporate boundary, that his, you know, wild mind would just go crazy, and they, maybe there'd be murals all over places that shouldn't be, but that's just, you know, speculation. <laughs> So uh, you're, you're going through your journey. You go to Kendall, um, lived in Grand Rapids, I assume. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
Where'd you live over there? It's funny. I lived directly across the street from Kendall because at the time there was a low income housing building and mm. me putting myself through college, I was low income. So I was able to live there affordably, but it was literally across the street from the school. So at 825, I would get to school at 832 and be two minutes late, but I would still be on time because I was not the most focused at the beginning as a student, uh, but that quickly changed because uh, I'm not, I wasn't there to party. I could party without the price tag of the education. So I decided to focus. Yeah. Um, was, is that Heritage Hill or was it in uh, downtown district? Downtown. I think that yeah. Ionia Pearl street. It was like right on the corner. The building yeah. isn't there anymore. I forget what it's called, but it was it was just perfect and old, which I love, and like radiators and strange shapes of walls and stuff. It was super fun. I wish I had pictures. I don't have any pictures either. Yeah, I love the architecture down there. Um, it's nice. So you after after Kendall, you got into uh, well, was it? Would you call it print making? I always think you use different words than me. No, we you got you got it right. It's printmaking. Um, at Kendall, I went in with paintings and drawings and all kinds of just stuff that I had made and said, I like to be creative and I don't know what I should do. So tell me. And everybody's eyes just lit up and they just said printmaking and rolled me the same day. And I'm just like, I don't know what that is. I hope I like it. You're the professional. So I'm sure I will, but I'm really confused. But then the minute my hands touched the ink, it was like, it was all over. I was just totally into it and living essentially in the print shop, almost making eggs on the hot plate in class because I heard somebody did it before and I was like, gonna, yeah, it was fun. It was, it took over my whole life for years. Were you, uh, did you make a living out of that? Yes. I, uh, as I was advised as a young artist, I took a part-time job, many part-time jobs, and filled the other part-time part with my fine art making exclusively to balance everything out in case sales weren't you know good enough. And then as my company grew, I stopped doing part-time jobs and took a leap of faith on myself. And then COVID happened and things got really scary. And then I had to pivot because of that. But then shockingly enough, everybody, not everybody, lots of awesome people have asked me to open my doors again. So this month, I will be officially reopening my print shop to work on a really big, really special uh, project, which I can I will announce soon. But it's going to take over Lansing, so be aware of that. Well, I'm uh, throwing a comment that says this is something I am interested in, and I would like more information, please. So stay tuned, Beth, and you'll uh, get more information. Awesome. So uh, the. Uh, Jazz musician. I, I don't remember hearing this before. Uh, what was that all about? Were you a singer? Did you play the bass? What? I played the alto saxophone. I had three before I ended up hanging my horn up for good. Uh, I loved it to pieces. Music is near and dear to my heart. And uh, I planned to play and play and play and, you know, take it somewhere. And I was playing shows and book for things, but to be completely honest, uh, my practice skills were not up to par. I did not practice enough. 
I didn't practice uh, correctly. I, I started taking it for granted and the sound started not sounding good. And, you know, it deserved much more of my time and I just couldn't give it to it. So I, I slowly sold my saxophones and tried not to think about it because I felt like, you know, it had been 15 years. Like, why, why did you do it for 15 years? It just did quit kind of thing. But that turned out to be, I, I do that with everything. So like 15 with modeling, 15 with printmaking, 15 with stuff. So it's like my number, I guess. Hmm. Mine was five at first and it shifted to eight. And hopefully it's shifted somewhere more because I'm in my eighth year at the Fledge and I want to keep doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said you're doing three things now. Yes. In Were those the three things that you started right after you uh, quitted the, quit the jazz and, or, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, it was like, in terms of a timeline, uh, jazz and music was kind of what 90, 1992, 93 to 1999. No, no, no. Past that. So the nineties to mid two thousands. And then the minute that was over, it was like instant printmaking over a decade with other creative stuff in between and then graduate school which was supposed to be more printmaking turned into something else advertising but then that led to copywriting which led to video and then to brand strategy which is now my heart and soul and now on top of that because of brand strategy grant funding <clears throat> because uh brand strategy kind of uh, surface that that was my hidden superpower. Mm. So with uh, brand strategy, uh, first of all, what's your definition of a brand? Let's start there. I say a brand is what people tell you it is. So you think of yourself as a bottle with a label and you are the contents of the bottle and the label is your brand. So Jerry can read my label because he's outside of the bottle. I can't read the label. I can think I know what it says and like put my best energy towards it. But in reality, it's what Jerry and everybody else it's who's reading it says that it is. So it's a combination of colors and feelings and typography and photos and everything that re represents your brand. How you communicate that through these elements is what the brand is. See, I, I really like, I haven't heard that definition before or that at least the metaphor of the bottle. Um, I've always defined it as, or using a pretty cliche definition of it's what other people say about you when you're not around, um, which I've always, I've tied to uh, integrity, right? And so for me now, I'm having an epiphany, if you don't mind. No, I love uh, it. The, uh, the integrity, the authenticity part, you know, it comes from the inside, but it's your character, it's your reputation, it's stuff like that. But then when you, you throw the bottle definition in, that kind of merges these two paths together where you're, you're projecting out who you want to be or who you think you are, and then people are reacting to that, interpreting it, and telling you whether you're spot on or way off, right? Absolutely. And the thing that 
one of the things that, you know, when someone says, I'm going to put together a marketing campaign, I immediately think that, oh, you're going to put some lies out there for me. So trick people into buying my product. And, you know, I just have that, that as my first, I have PTSD around marketing. I'll just put it that way. I, I totally understand. And the industry agrees with you. And that's why the people have made the shift uh, for the industry. So now uh, advertising as a whole is recognizing that people prefer transparency, authenticity, kindness, all those things. And that those people will not spend their money on any brand unless they see that that brand has that in place somewhere. If it's opaque, if it's smarmy, if it's lying, they will vote for their favorite brand with their money. So they won't tell you, they just won't patronize your business. And that's the easiest way to figure out if your brand is working or not working. Yeah. Who, who's your favorite brand? Oh, What's your, yeah. It's so tough because uh, I'm part of this amazing community. Uh, Melinda Lipsy's brand strategy bootcamp. Uh, that's, I don't know what, if we call it that or what the, the title of the group is, but uh, those people and Melinda's brand is one of my absolute favorites. Sales with Shay is a bootcamp person and part of the team. And her brand is amazing. Free the Robot Creative. Um, OXO, the food brand, the utensils company. I just love it because it's, it feels like to me a blend between kind of easy feel childlike uh, use of tool, but very chic looking and works super well. Uh, which is interesting. And then, of course, as a creative person, I have to say Apple is an, on the list because everything I have is Apple. Uh, yeah. But yeah, those are those would have to be my tops so far. What do you, uh, I guess, what do you look, well, you already kind of answered it. It's what they see when they look in the bottle, the colors, the type, all of that. Um, where do you think people are way off when they think about a brand? Like, where do people make mistakes? When they think it's the logo, like anybody, you know, any entrepreneur is like, okay, I'm starting a new business and it's a car wash. So obviously the first thing I need is a logo. Totally wrong. That is the last thing that you need. The first thing that you need is brand strategy because I can guarantee that you and any other business will dispose of money and time and resources on a pursuit that is not going to fit your needs or your brand or anything if you start with creative. Creative is directed by brand strategy. So that take that and expand upon it. Everything else is directed by brand strategy as well. Social media, marketing, ouch, ugh, advertising, anything that your brand needs, video, Ian, Mark Ian, comma, um, all the people that work at the Fledge and everything that, they, um, I'm sorry, I got really passionate and lost my train of thought there. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, um, so you were going to, you were saying that, you know, you really need to start like with us. Um, we started with a set of values that we had and we built out from there because that's my PTSD with marketing. I don't want to start 
with the colors. I don't want to start with what's going to trick people into having this expectation when I'm really doing this and now they're not happy with me. I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure when you do a non-authentic brand strategy, right? Absolutely. Like and so we just kind of said we're going to live with the values. And then when we started picking our colors, you know, gang violence has always been a thing that we've cared about. And so purple was an obvious choice if we merged the red and the blue together. So we didn't have to worry about the Crips and the Bloods. But I'll just do that in case anybody wants to know which side I really fall on. Um, and uh, then it all kind of went from there. See, I love it. And that's why you're doing so well. The Fledge is doing so well. I've seen, I know that I've grown a ton, but I've been with you on your journey as well. And I've seen in my own, with my own eyes, the Fledge grow from the small space it was in Grand Ledge to this awesome new building with all of these people and all the things that the Fledge does for everyone, me included. So uh, it's awesome. And so clearly I feel like it's, it's based, in my opinion, around your knowledge that you were building around your core competencies and your superpowers. And that's why, in my opinion, you're doing so well now. Well, thank you. I, uh, I'm actually trying to get to a point where I want to tell you something. Everybody complains that they don't know what we do. And to me, I, then I think they're getting it because we don't, there is no what we do. It is what you do and what you bring into the fledge. And um, I'm kind of proud, you know, when someone says, what the fuck's the fledge? I'm like, yes, they get it. <laughs> Let me ask you, Jerry, would you consider yourself and the fledge a kind of a, a guidepost then for those who don't get it and they don't know what the fledge does? Would it be like, you come with your questions and your needs and your, I don't know, and Jerry and the Fledge and the Fledglings and all the awesome people like help you find your way because the Fledge does so many awesome things or am I totally off it? I think we'll walk with you on the journey. Yes, I think you're, you're onto something there. I think it's, it's not that we're going to help you find your way so much as you're going to be able to join a crowd that's also trying to find their way. And we're all kind of still learning and we're all trying to figure this out together. And if, you know, we don't preach, pray and fix people. Um, it's never that. It's just we join them on their journey. They join us on ours and we point out things because we're so diverse. You might look at it at, from one angle. I look at it from a different angle. We point that out to each other and we learn. We, our strength is in our differences. I love it. Like a, like a hive mind of creative people. Like, but how would you describe your people? Like if they were an archetype, like how, what kind of people do you want to come to the fledge? Our community is radically inclusive. Uh, they're not my people. That's other large institutions that claim their people. Um, we, uh, our community is, we're radically inclusive. There is no single person that we desire the most. Everyone's welcome. Come in. Uh, we need you because you might be completely different than the rest of us. And the more, the more you're different than us, the, uh, the bigger our brain gets, the more angles we have. But 
that doesn't mean if there's, you know, a couple of us that are exactly the same or, you know, it just makes us all stronger. I love it. So like uh, the diverse ecosystem that saves soil uh, from turning toxic so we can continue to grow and eat food on planet earth. You're doing the same thing at the pledge with diversifying all the people and the ages and the backgrounds to like sustain it and keep it all going. Does that feel like? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we're way on a tangent on me. we got to switch it back to you. Um, let's get into the fundraising part. Uh, yes. So uh, right now, Mint Maven is focused on fundraising through grants, but I'm actively working on building a brand new system to raise funds for small businesses everywhere. So that's a really big deal. I clearly can't talk about the details just yet because it's still being built but it's actively being built right now with several local institutions. So that's awesome. Uh, and then in addition to grant funding, I'm offering help with requests for proposals or RFPs, as well as pitch competitions, pitch decks, kind of coaching and help in that arena, because that's another space where I feel like people don't really consider that an option, but I feel like they should because it'll not only help them gain the funding they need for their businesses, it'll help them practice public speaking and uh, help them expand their network through networking and meeting the people that they could meet at these events and a lot of other positive things. So I'd recommend diversifying any an entrepreneur, diversifying your fundraising tactics and practices because there is much more to fundraising than selling Girl Scout cookies or, you know, bingo raffles and things although those are fun and cool uh but you could do more yeah so what 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 uh who comes to you why what's the value proposition and who's the right you know kind of customer for you the question you ask me so i'll flip it on you so uh in the beginning i was trying to focus exclusively on women entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs because as a lifelong creative myself and a woman as i was finding grant opportunities most of them were for that demographic and they would come fairly easily but uh there's a great deal of other industries who need my help like climate change uh the lansing hispanic chamber jazz carrillo and a bunch of other people who are either starting uh, their brand new businesses or pivoting or trying to do something, but they can't, they just can't get there without just a little bit of help. And I know from my journey, every time I was able to level up, it was because of a little bit of help. And then I got that help and then moved to the next level. It's like a video game and kept killing it and then kept going and going until now I'm here. Super happy. Uh, so now though, uh, because of all that need, I'm, I'm opening it to, a very wide range of people. So essentially it's first come first serve whoever fits best with me and my personality and my business. And if you feel that I'm the best fit for your business, let's talk. I will see if I can even find the opportunities for you. If I'm the best fit, maybe we find that I'm not, but I can refer you to someone else. I can at least see because I find so many diverse, amazing opportunities all the time. And many of times they don't apply to me at all. Like a silversmith jewelry artist residency. I don't know anybody who does that, but if you do, let me know. Uh, farmer grants, teaching grants, 
climate change, nonprofits, all kinds. So uh, it uh, honestly doesn't matter if you are an entrepreneur and you need funding and you're interested in chatting with me, please visit my website and book your free 15 minute consultation. And that I'm going to read it out loud just because we do audio too. mintmaven.co, right? Yes. All right. So let's say somebody, you know, first of all, people think that they can find grants, write grants, do all this themselves, but they never really do, right? Or they do it without any strategy. Yes. Right. It's just all pieced together or whatever. Um, do you help with that strategy? Do you lay it out more than just, hey, we're going to go after this single grant? Yes. And I'm so sorry. I have the, something at the door. I have to unlock it really quick and I'll be back in 30 seconds. All right. 30 seconds. I got to hold this for 30 seconds. Well, um, thank you, Janine, for your kind words in the side over there. Um, I don't understand all of it. Maybe we need to talk, but yes, your yours counts. Uh, all right, Kimberly's back. Uh, what was I? Oh, so the strategy. Like, do you? It's not just one little grant at a time and one and done or whatever. Um, I imagine it's further for you, right? Yes. So I've done a great deal of research to figure out why the best percentage of a grant writer winning grants is around 30%, even for people who've been doing it for a long time and they're seasoned and all that stuff and what we could do to raise that percentage. So the first thing is to do a great deal of preparation, getting your EIN number, your articles of incorporation, your uh, profit and loss statement, if you have it, your brand strategy, uh, business plan. Those are all perfect documents to start you out to even begin any kind of fundraising. Hey, and can I add one thing? Yes. Before I forget, I want to plug uh, uh, Dun & Bradstreet number two, a DNB. Not yes. enough people are getting them. They're forgetting about it. And you, that's going to come back to haunt you because you're going to need it quick one day and it ain't quick. Yes. Yes. Everything Jerry said, I have to second that also. Like the more preparation you can do, the better just don't even think about applying for a grant until you have everything that we just said, because you'll just give yourself a headache. Yeah. So uh, I cut you off though. You got all those documents together. The next thing to do is call you. Yes. 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 So get the documents together. Watch this show. If you're watching the recording of it, go to mittenmaven.co book your 15 minute consultation. If you need it, if you don't need it and you're ready to, pull the trigger, click the other button. If you are media and news people, there's a special button for you as well. But uh, whoever you are, there's a button on the site, please check it out. There's tons of frequently asked questions answered. There's videos, there's content that you can do your own homework uh, to make sure that this is the right avenue for you before we talk. Uh, I'm also available on social media. You can message me and I directly answer. So. Uh, I'm happy to help. I want to help. If you need help and you think I'm a good fit for you, please hit me up. And they need to follow you on social media so that your announcement about your printmaking can be uh, seen. Yes, yes, yes. So Kimberly Levon Inc., I will share uh, links with 
everyone in just a moment. That's my printmaking stuff. Thimble Media is the brand strategy strategy stuff. And Mint Maven is the grant fundraising stuff. All right. So what do you want to take us out with? You have I'd your saxophone there? <laughs> no, actually, I, I am, though. Oh, I'm sitting in front of my nice plant. I got, I got a new plant, so that's fun. And I'm installing a gallery behind me, and that's happening. But take us out. Uh, let's see. Everybody, it's going to be 65 today. Please get outside and, like, just think reset. Like, yeah. be nice. Be nice to yourself. Have a good day. Think positive thoughts. Pet a dog. Go visit Jerry at the Fledge. I don't know. Just something fun for yourself because it's it's time. It's It's time for everybody to have an awesome day. All right. I love it. That's a wrap, everyone. There's uh, another episode of Every Damn Day, and we'll be back tomorrow. And love you all, and we'll see you later. Thank you very much, Kimberly. Thank you. Bye-bye.